Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to another episode of Awkward Sex and City. I have Caitlin Bradnick with me. She is the author. Hi! She is the author of Dangerous Babies, which you should 100% read. It's about breast cancer. And um, can you say the the mutated gene? Yeah, it's it's about uh, BRCA, BRCA, genetic mutation. Um, And it's about what I did to make sure to not get breast cancer. (laughs) And it's a really like open and honest and genuine depiction of what it's like to make the decision and go through the surgery and like before and after. So guys definitely like Amazon it, read it, Kindle it. She also has a show, Baby and Me, which is every second Saturday at QED at 3 p.m. So if you have a baby, one or or under and want to get the fuck out of the house, it's an amazing show. I had a blast just even performing. It's so funny. And also she has a amazing podcast on this network on More Banana called Scam Wow, which if you can't figure out is about scams, which I fucking love. I always fall for scams all the time. So take a listen, like, subscribe, all the things. And we talk babies. We talk babies, babies and sex, postpartum depression, taking care of yourself. It's a really, as someone who's like very afraid of being a mom, um, it made me feel like, oh, this could be like worth it. This could be fun. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It would be really healthy when you breastfeed. <laughs> and so I was able to like eat whatever the hell I wanted, not eat, do whatever, because I was it wasn't coming at me. Um, so it just sucks everything back in. <laughs> because the vag is a very strong muscle. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I that's also a fear I have. I'm like, where will we oh, have you'll, sex? If you want to have sex, you'll have sex. But like, you'll figure it out. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Thanks, I know it's so hard. You, your baby. Uh, Lewis. And Lewis is 10 months old now? He is 11, almost 12. Wow. Yes. Oh my God. He is almost a year. They do everything by months. They do everything by weeks. And I remember when before I had a baby, people would be like, oh, he's 18 weeks. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but in, when you're in the mom world, you're like, oh, so he's starting to like play with his tongue more and like use <laughs> and like use his fingers. Like you know exactly what's happening when it's going. That's so like oddly sexual too to be like he's using his tongue <laughs> and getting better yes. with his digits. You know, you hope you just hope you hope they live a happy sexual life. Oh, wish and, them the best. And you always wanted to be a mom. I did. So I how really is it? Did. Um, it is so difficult. <laughs> I have been a nanny since I was 10 mm-hmm. and I helped raise my brother and I just like, I was always around kids. I loved it so much. And then having a baby, I had no clue how hard it was mm-hmm. because I came with this like wonderful perspective of, oh, like, let me come and help and be of aid. And I love children and they love me and it's so relaxing. But then when you carry a child, even if you don't, even if you're adopting, even if you are surrogate, it doesn't matter, but that like lead up to the baby's arrival. I feel like it's, I can't speak for a parent who's adopted, but I feel like all of those years of paperwork, all of that pressure, all that stuff, you're just imagining how you're going to be a parent. You just want that baby in your arms, however it gets here. Yeah. Then it's here. And just the amount of like stress and anxiety and thinking that goes forward because you're just 
imagining what the future's like, then the delivery process, however they're presented to you in whatever form, is usually dramatic. I mean, I think some people have like amazing births or amazing stories and you hear those, but almost most of the women I talked to was like, it was terrible. But but then you just go, but I have this angel in my life. So I just, I decided I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> I My my boyfriend really, really, really wants kids. Um, he's 36. I'm 30. And I'm just like, same thing. I've been in childcare since I was 15, been like a live-in nanny, live out, seen everything. And I'm always like, you don't understand how fucking hard it is. And he's always like, no, I get it. And I was like, no, you no. don't fucking get it. You do not. But then he will get it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like that is what I've noticed is that especially – with my husband, it was like comically different. He did not know things. And I <laughs> was really mad at first. And then I was like, well, of course not. He's not a childcare provider. Like he doesn't know any of this. Of course. But then he learns and he is like this expert now. He's at the expert level that our baby Lewis needs him to be. Actually, he only needs to be a great dad for what your baby needs at that time. Like that makes a lot of sense. It's great. Like, it's great. <laughs> like, in the beginning, the baby sleeps all the time. So really? really all, all the time. Because they're as traumatized as birth as you are. They're like, what happened? I was in this, like, warm, fuzzy womb, and then you just created me, and where am I? So they, the doctors said the first three months, they call it the fir- the fourth trimester. Like, you hear, like, first, second, and third trimester. And people are like, the third, they're about to pop. Um, then the fourth trimester is really when your baby actually wants to be back inside you doesn't know if they're okay with this earth yet they're still overwhelmed and I'm like babe I don't get it either like life is hard what did we do to create you (laughs) what's this a mistake just kidding he's great but (laughs) you know you have you each have all these feelings like wow life is so different but the baby wants to sleep on the mother or the father and like hear your heartbeat for a ton of time so that dad is also all his job is is to take care of you which I'm sure your boyfriend or any any partner of substance has taken care of you when you had a cold or broke your ankle or had tonsillitis or whatever. So that's something that they're good at. And then sleeping when the baby sleeps is like a challenging thing because as soon as they go to sleep, you're wired, but you, and you think of all these things you have to do, but when you're completely exhausted, you do end up sleeping when they sleep. So that's all you have to worry about. And then just like basically you stare at this baby and go like, what do you want? And you don't know either. Like it's not, I thought that like I would know and I would have all this like insight and like I had no fucking clue what was happening because the baby can't talk. Really a good dad is to me is somebody who loves the baby, of course, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's a mistake. And you know what? That's that there's like a whole parenting world of their people are becoming honest with like, oh, God, I think I made a mistake. I don't think I am a good parent or want to be one. That's a whole nother world that um, people are just coming to admit like there's like all these different elements of parenting that are slowly revealed over time like being the best parent in the world and that was sort of like a fad and then people that were like postpartum depression people are finally admitting it now there's this new level of parents who are like I don't actually want to be a parent so that's if if the dad doesn't want that then that's an issue but yeah. if all, if everything else is there and he's loving he and you or she and you or they and they, everybody, um, you're going to be problem solving together. So you don't have to really be that good. You you just have to make sure the baby, you don't drop the baby. You don't drop your cell phone on the baby. You don't leave your baby like too close to a window. Because babies can't, 
warm themselves or cool themselves down. Oh, I never even thought of that. Yeah, they have they they literally know nothing. It's like a blob that you know will eventually turn into a person that is gonna like be like, Mom, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like you know eventually this blob is going to go to therapy and say, like, my mother messed me up. But until then, it's just this blob that you have to keep alive. And my husband keeps going like this baby is constantly like about to kill himself. Like, he's just like <laughs> constantly about to pull something over on his head or suffocate himself or if he never, if he didn't have any food anywhere near, he wouldn't eat. Like you are just in like the zone to care for this baby. Mm-hmm. Also, stop me. I could talk about my baby forever. No, I know we I'm could also talk this. about sex, but I love this baby. Um, well, babies are a, a big part of, of sex. sex. You know, it happens. And also, this is making me feel way better about my where oh, I'm at with it. It's great. It's all great. I mean, that the thing that is great is that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to keep them alive. I love that. And I've had parents, I say to them, like, happy first birthday. And they're like, he's alive for a year. It's amazing. Like, that's kind of this common (laughs) thing of, like, nothing happened to the baby for their first dangerous year. (laughs) Yeah. I did have a question, though, because you have – you got a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. So did you decide to not breastfeed because you didn't want to or because you couldn't because of double mastectomy? So when you have – so I had a preventative double mastectomy because of – I have the BRCA, the BRCA – mutation Mm -hmm. of a gene and everybody has a gene, but my mutation means that I have a much higher chance of getting breast cancer. So that was a struggle in the beginning because once you do have the surgery where they remove all of your breast tissue, that Mm -hmm. reason is for me, doctors told me my breast tissue had an 87% chance of developing cancer in my lifetime. That's fucking crazy. It's crazy. And the average woman has a 12% chance. And so if you have this mutated gene, it basically means that the gene that is supposed to help protect and suppress against breast cancer. All of your cells, everything has like a job to do. But if you have a mutated version of this, it doesn't do as work as well as others might or, mm-hmm. or as efficient as an, a healthy woman. Not healthy, a person who doesn't have the gene. Um, but so it's in your lifetime. So the risk goes, you know, when you're 60s, 70s, 80s. But I had an aunt who died of breast cancer at 32. She Jesus got it at 27. Christ. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it really messed me up. And my dad is the only living person in his family, his immediate family. He's lost both parents and both sisters, all from cancer. So he was obviously very destroyed by all of this and was very, um, started working with Johns Hopkins Hospital as like a test patient to be like, what's happening to my family? And then when he found out he had the gene, it was almost a relief for him because there was a solution. Yeah, It scared the shit out of me. This had been like my whole childhood seeing all these people I love die, understanding cancer, understanding cancer treatment. So I wanted to get the surgery. I first I panicked when I found out I was positive. Then years after like therapy, getting sober, finding who I am, getting married, all this stuff, I realized I did want to have the surgery. But it was a conversation I had with my husband where I was like, I think I want to do this. They have to remove all of the tissue because all of it has a possibility of cancerous to be cancerous. That means I can't breastfeed. And he was like, I don't care. <laughs> He's like, literally, I don't care. All you do is talk about <laughs> you might die of breast cancer. And like, it's obviously haunted all of us and your family. Like, this is kind of a thing. It's fine. And so it was amazing because he was like, he was bottle fed. He was formula fed. I was formula fed. Like Me too. I was formula yeah. bottle fed. Yeah. So this new thing. So that was the best decision for me at the time. And it changed my life. I wrote a book up on it. I mean, like a whole life has changed. We had amazing things happen and we've helped a lot of people. But um, Dangerous babies. You should buy it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, yeah, it's right here in the office. Yay, dangerous boobies breaking up with my time bomb breasts. Um, so, yeah, so I, I did that. I cre- We created a documentary. We did great stuff. And then when I got pregnant, I basically freaked out because – no, it was I didn't freak out when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant, I told everybody to shut the fuck up. I'm doing my thing. I don't need it. But when the baby was born and they put him on my chest, and I realized I couldn't provide him something that I naturally wanted to provide him, I cried so hard. I was Aww. so emotional. Now, also, a baby was just taken out of me. I had an emergency cesarean. Nothing was going the way we had planned. I was on a ton of meds. And naturally, your body wants to release the baby out of your body and then release milk out of your body. And both of those things give you positive endorphins. Oh, I didn't know that. Neither did I. And so I had all of these feelings and all this stuff. And I remember like my baby was a week or two and I was like, Alan, was it a mistake to have the mastectomy? Did I make a decision? He's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is literally your life's work. Like, no, it's great. Like you, you would have felt worse if he was born suddenly and you'd been like, what if I die in a couple of years from breast cancer, or you would have been just as panicked my whole life. Like getting a mastectomy gave me a relief I'd never had in this way. It felt so good. And yeah. a, rel- a, a relief in my family. Like my dad stopped being afraid that he had a gene that passed down that could kill me. I mean, just it, the whole world opened up when this happened in a, the breast, um, the surgery. So, but there was that thing inside me where I was like, my child needs something and I can't just put a boob in his mouth. I have to, it was two seconds. I had to shake up a bottle of formula and put it in his mouth. But that idea that I couldn't just throw my body yeah, at him it. upset me, but then it quickly went away. But I have to be honest that it did upset me because I didn't yeah. think it would. I didn't think it would. And I, I am proud of the surgery. I know a lot of women are doing it and I would never tell anybody if they're worried that if they have a high risk of breast cancer in their family young like I did to wait you know I know somebody messaged me so sad she was like I waited and I and I ended up getting breast cancer and like you know everyone's life and body is so different but I will say that those hormones are really rough <laughs> and you shouldn't beat yourself up if suddenly you feel I mean literally if you can't if you have to pee and you can't get to your crying baby on time you feel terrible like everything <laughs> There's a lot of things that make you feel terrible yeah. about being a parent because you want to be everything that that kid needs at all times. But then you also are a person who like has to go to the bathroom and shower and it's a struggle. Yeah. So I did have that terrible feeling. And then when I, when he was born, it was struggle was, is that everything is, everyone's really pushing breastfeeding right now because it is wonderful and it does help the baby. And there's a connection with the mother. And I think there's a lot of emotional things that are attached to breastfeeding that New York state is pushing actually like hospitals are pushing. Breastfeeding. Oh really? Yeah. We okay. went to the hospital and it was like, we're breastfeeding friendly. And I'm like, well, I can't, I have a surgery. There's nothing there. But every single time a nurse would come in because she'd naturally do it with another patient to be like, so how's breastfeeding? I'm like, I can't, there aren't any nipples. Please look at me. Like, um, I just, I had to remind everybody and tell my story a billion times. So that felt like annoying but not still better than getting breast cancer and I so that was sort of like the beginning and then when when he was first born like everybody just naturally says like how's breastfeeding going because it is hard for a lot of women yeah and a lot of women have one of my friends she had to see a couple actually 
both of my friends who just had babies, they had to see a lactation consultant. The hospital gives you a lactation consultant. You practice, you do all this stuff. A friend of mine had shallow nipples. So they actually put like a nipple cover that is similar to like a bottle, like a bottle nipple. And the baby sucks on that Mm. to get the milk out because her nipples weren't large enough. Like there's so many things in the world of breastfeeding, what breast pumps to use, how you pump that. That is hand in hand with having a baby. So everybody asked me and talked about it. Um, In the hospital, they're like, do you want to see the lactation consultant? You know, like we just had to keep reiterating. And then of course I became really obsessed with the perfect baby formula. (laughs) Cause I was like, if I'm not giving him the perfect, the quote perfect milk from myself, Uh which I don't even know if it'd be that perfect. I mean, it's, it's probably great, but like you got to be really healthy when you breastfeed. (laughs) And so I was able to like eat whatever the hell I wanted, not eat, do whatever. Cause I was, it wasn't coming at me. Um, so (laughs) I just, there's a lot of pressure. There's some women who can't eat dairy cause their kids have sensitive stomachs. Oh, see, I'd be like, fuck that. It's really hard. Yeah. And then, so my mom with me had an infection when I was, I think three or six weeks old. Um, and she couldn't breastfeed anymore. So you can get an infection if you're not like massaging your breast tissue. And there's so many things. So it does go hand in hand with having a baby come out of your body. People ask you about breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, but it's, I also have a lot of friends that had struggled with it. And then when they decided they couldn't do it, they felt an incredible amount of relief because of this bizarre pressure that, I'm sure men in the medical field put on you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, and it probably works. Anything with, with raising a baby work might work really well for someone, but yeah. it might not work really well for like, you. It can't. Right? We're all, I feel we're like we're just so all so different. different. Like, there's so no different. way. And I think like there's just those basic things. Is the baby being fed? You know, you want to give them formula that isn't high in, I mean, the sugary breast formula is really sugary. I mean, breast milk is very sugary. So sometimes there's formulas that have high in sugar. And I just didn't want high in sugar if it wasn't a natural sugar coming from me. And yeah. I don't know. I That made me nervous because I am a full sugar addiction. <laughs> so I was like, let's try and do like the – that was something I cared about, you know. And like yeah. people – even set in the way like the way – you get off, you know, we all take the subway, the the platform you get off, the sex place you sit in the platform. Like, just think of like how neurotic we are about those little things. It just, it happens. It carries over. Oh yeah. And so a lot of people are like, you've got to make mom friends. You've got to make mom friends. And making mom friends sounds like you're sitting at the boring table in (laughs) middle school. Like moms are amazing, but when you're pregnant and you're young and you aren't a mom yet and you're like, now the new pregnancy thing is like to look like hot clothes and to look like a hot pregnant mom. It's like all this, the the whole thing, the Instagram mom. Then they're like, you got it. You've got to make mom friends. You all had babies at the same time. I'm like, okay, mom friends. Like it sounds like mom jeans. It sounds like a mom haircut. Like I imagine I'm at like 60 year old women talking no, it is the most amazing thing. And if I did not have these mom friends, I would have gone insane. Really? Because you all have babies at the same time. It's really similar. You meet them if you take like a Lamaze class or you'll have your newborn baby the first time you take him out and you're like, it's like one in the morning because he won't sleep and you're like in McDonald's and you see another mom. You're like, oh my God, we're both miserable. And you have to latch on to those women and or men or anybody with that same age baby and you ask them all of your questions because they have a billion questions for you. And these mom friends are, I have a mom friend who is like maybe a little off, but I love her. <laughs> I adore her. I, I will follow her till we die. Like I I don't care. I, I have... I, 
all I want are mom friends. That's all I want because there's this element that you cannot explain. It's like going to war. You all just came back from a, a war. Yeah. And he, my son learned so much from being around other babies. Like I could give him all of the books in the world. I could give him all the experience. We could go to every single museum, but he sees his best friend, Charlie, grab something and he does it immediately the next time. And like he and Charlie were playing and they'll scream at each other and they'll learn different screams. <laughs> and my, oh my God, my ovaries are oh, bursting. They're so cute. He's <laughs> looking and he's so curious. And then he, um, and then he'll do something new the next day or he'll, he'll, he'll grow in some way. And like when they grow, you're so relieved. You're just like, oh, thank God we're at the next step. But then you're like, oh no, you're getting big. You're getting so big. You're not going to need me. Or at least that's where I go. No, <laughs> like, I you're going to be 13 and leaving the house. And he literally just like sat up on his own. <laughs> that's what that's what I always hear though. It's like it happens so quickly and you can't take it back. It just, no. it's just how it works. But Well, yeah, in the first, the zero to two years old, you're as a person, you grow more than you ever will in your entire life. That is the most growth your brain, body, everything will be doing ever. And so I watched like a ton of like baby documentaries when I was pregnant and they were saying how important it is to like, that is the most critical time. I don't, I think it, I have a friend who was like, I have to get back to my career. She loves her career. That is her life. She was gainfully employed. She was doing really well. She was like, if I'm not working, I don't know who I am. And I 100% get that because when yeah. I, when your life stops and you have a baby, my career was like on fire, even when I was pregnant. And then I was reading that it can cause like add to postpartum depression when your life completely shifts and your career does stop physically because you have to, you have to be home when he's first born, he or she's first born. Um, but then my career's completely slowed down afterwards, which I don't ever want to ever tell any woman because you want to tell every woman you can do it all. <clears throat> it's going to be fine. Don't let this stop you. And I'm sure I'll look back and be like, yeah, it was great. Like in, in hindsight, your career is forever and it's so confusing and up and down. But while it's happening and while you're, I mean, Instagram is, a murder weapon for me. Like it is a killer. And I'm seeing other people booking shows and doing things and being on set. Unfollow. I have That's unfollowed so people bad. that I sincerely love and I'm so happy for them. But even as a non-pregnant, still <laughs> struggling with my career, I have unfollowed a shit ton of people because I cannot handle what I see on Instagram. It's painful. And the other thing too is that I don't begrudge them for doing it because I, as a viewer, I'm like, wow, you're crushing it. And if, yeah. if you can show, and when I'm crushing it, I want to put it out there because I know that like, you know, good vibes and everything begets more work and everything. So I want people to think like, wow, Caitlin's doing so great. I'm going to put her on my show or I'm going to have her on my podcast. Thank you. Um, and so, <laughs> and you should also do the show again soon. Out. Yeah, I know. I love your show. Like, so that that's sort of the thing is that you want to be of the world, mm -hmm. but it is like a way I torture myself, especially when you first have a baby. Oh, 100%. And a friend of mine like just had surgery and had a baby and I was like, you have to limit your Instagram usage. Like that was the first thing I said to him. Like it's rough. And he messaged me and was like, you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard because you're, you know, it's just people are just putting like their greatest moments. And when you are a parent, you have incredible moments, but I'm not going to post like when he's looking at me smiling while I'm changing his diaper, like I'm in the middle of stuff, you know, like I'm yeah. not necessarily posting You're living. At, yeah. And then I also, my husband and I are like nervous about posting too many pictures of him. I had a fan, so kind, such a nice fan, a reader, repost a picture of my own baby. And that Ooh. was hard for me. It was a picture of my baby and my book next to each other. And it was like a woman's 
a woman's, uh, I don't know, it was like celebrating Women's Day. And I was like, basically, women have helped deliver both of these things in my lives. And I was really grateful. And it was on my Instagram. And she lovingly reposted and was like, Caitlin said wonderful things. But I had to message her and say, I'm just not comfortable because we're trying to work on our limit and like what we expose of him. Um, and she apologized. She was so sweet. And she's like, oh, I didn't even realize. I'm so sorry. And like, yeah, I would repost something if I loved it. Yeah. But I realized that like, so I'll sometimes post things of him and then take them down right away. Like, I just want like my family to see it. And then I don't need any more evidence. <laughs> like, look how cute this is, mom. Get all the likes from her and like all the things of my aunt and uncle. And then because I, and then And then I delete a bunch of them. I, I put him up and delete him or I only put him in the stories section. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen that much of yeah, Lewis and on Instagram. A fucking adorable. Oh my he's god, he's the he... most beautiful baby, and I, I, I am shocked. That's what, I am bra- I'm not bragging. I'm blown away that my kid is this attractive. <laughs> we say it all the time. We're like, you could have been a tiny little monster. Like my husband and I both have like tendencies to not be that attractive, and <laughs> she, he is so beautiful, and I can't get over it. So I want to show him all day long, but he's like a Gerber baby. Yes. He's beautiful. He has crisp blue eyes. My friend said he looks like a White Walker. <laughs> he does. In a pretty uh, way. Like a pretty White Walker, not the creepy, melty face one. I'm obsessed with this baby. But and so that if I'm not posting all this stuff, it and I, I just sometimes I feel like I don't have anything to display. And that's okay. I don't have to be constantly showing what I'm doing. But in our culture right now, it's very much like you are what you show. Yeah. Um. Even if he's doing an amazing moment, like he's did this cutest thing and we're like, oh my God, we got to take a picture. We got to show the whole family because we all, because we all are more connected, there is also this bizarre responsibility to be more connected. Like my mom and dad are just a text message away. Like if he took his first steps, they'd be very upset if I didn't FaceTime them right away. And And of course it goes without saying, like we're just we're all in this, th- my tribe is very much spread out. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, different type of pressure, yeah. but I will say, and I'll, I'll say to anybody listening out there, I had postpartum depression and I thought postpartum depression was something I heard of like in the eighties where women were like driving their cars into oceans or like doing harm to their children. And I had a terrible therapist that said to me, because I was aware that I would probably have it because I struggle with depression and anxiety. And I was seeing this therapist, it was a man, and he said, you know what, if you're not throwing the baby out the window, I'm not worried about you. That's what he said. And then I- So- Really bad, really, really bad. But your well-being, your sense of health, everything else, you know, he doesn't care. Um, So I went to, I found a great therapist, this amazing institute that just works with moms. Um, Anybody can message me, I'll give your information, the information of them. But the therapist explained to me, like, actually, Caitlin, if you look at it clinically, there's no diagnosis code- for postpartum depression. It's depression, anxiety, psychosis, whatever it is. And then on the back of that, they write postpartum. So that the doctor or patient or whatever knows postpartum is within the first year of having a baby. So it's, I was thinking it was this psychotic, like Tully, like that movie, like all these crazy things, but it's just, are you depressed? Yes or no. Was it in within the first year of having a baby? Yes or no? That's it. That's it. No. Wow. It would be like, you know, I'm thinking it's something like a sprained ankle and a broken ankle, two different things. And she was like, no, it's the same thing. It's just depression. And 
I didn't want to say it out loud because you say you have postpartum depression. People are like, ooh, are you jumping off a bridge? Like people kind of like, they assume this extreme. Because we all said, thought the same thing. We yes. all thought it was like too, like it's a extreme. separate thing. It's not a separate thing. And my therapist said what's mostly um, described, it's postpartum psychosis. And that's what gets the media attention. So you can have a person who has psychosis. You can have a person who has a psychotic disorder. Uh-huh. You can be... You can be bipolar. Like you can be all of these things medically that we understand. But then it with, if it's in the first year of having a baby, they put postpartum on the end of it. Um, but it means a whole different thing to you, to society. Like it's all of this stuff. And as soon as I started telling my friends, like, guys, it's the same diagnosis code. There's something about the diagnosis code. I used to work in a medical office. And that means that the diagnosis code means that that's what you bill the insurance. That's what all the other doctors understand. That's the definition of what you're going through. And if it's the same thing as before I had a baby, I had depression before I have depression now, there's just this easiness of like, oh, I'm just a person with depression. <laughs> it's fine. Had a baby. I'm not a bad mom. Like it, yeah. it's so interesting. Like postpartum depression made me feel so guilty. And I still like, I'll tell other women that I had it. And I'll be really honest. And then I have women come back to me and say, oh, I found out I had postpartum anxiety, which is having anxiety. This is a first year after you had a baby. Now your anxiety is up to notch for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know any of this. If I will answer any question. I am the most – obviously, I can't keep a secret. I, I talk all <laughs> the time. I, I'll like, I'm an oversharer. Fear of mine is – because I, I have a very, very high libido. Like sometimes Great. I don't, I, right? It's awesome. Amazing. It's a gift and a Me curse. Too. But because yeah. like what happens like afterwards, because I know you're, you're, you're wrecked down there for a little while. It depends. It's like two different kinds of wrecked. You know, you could be, so, okay. So sex after, so sex during pregnancy was great. Thank God my husband was still so into it. We had sex a lot and uh, it was kind of rare. Some women don't and some women feel disgusting. Well, when I was nauseous, of course we didn't. Like I had a really long, um, in the beginning where it would probably be much easier to have sex. Um, I had a ton of morning sickness. It just like Mm -hmm. runs in my family. My mom had it. My cousin had it till like 15, 20 weeks, like far in, um, of pregnancy. Um, but then when that left, it was like great and sex was great. And it was, uh, unless I was uncomfortable, but I love sex. It was, it was, it was fine and fun and there's great positions and it's all easy. Um, and then sex after surgery, I mean, after surgery, I'm calling it after surgery. Um, well, you legit had a surgery. Yeah. You had so a C-section. We had the quarters wrapped around his neck and they had to pull him out. <laughs> it was just, it was so stressful. And I was more upset that this, it was happening to me. Like I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't go into labor. I felt things were off and things were, something was not right. And we called the doctor and she's like, go immediately. And I literally, the few days before I was at Bear Burger and a woman stopped me. I was super pregnant. And she was like, just so you know what you are correct, what your body feels is correct. And your baby's talking to you. And that's how they talk is through your body and how you're feeling is, is absolutely correct. And never forget that. And I was like, Oh, I've never seen this woman again. She had three kids around her. Like she was like this angel. Who oh my God, that gave went, me like literal chills. It was incredible. And she was 100% right. I went into, it wasn't a labor. It was like a bunch of other things were happening. But, and I was like, something is off. And I knew it. And the, it happened, the cord was really tightly around his neck. So we rushed a emergency cesarean. Um, everything went out, re- went 
well, but to me, the situation was the most catastrophic because I wasn't a part of it. It was just happening to me. He was just, I felt like he was just taken out of my body. I didn't feel like I had any sort of preparation. My husband was so confused the whole time. He didn't, he was, he was the most loving, supportive person, but he did not understand the severity also. And so it was just like very hard. It felt very isolating. But then I didn't have anything happen to my vagina. <laughs> so it's like silver lining. Silver lining. So, okay, they say like you, if you have a baby, you can't have sex. I think it's like six to eight yeah, to 10 weeks, six. depending on like how they came out vaginally and everything. But for me, it was like, I think they said six weeks. I think we did it at like five and a half. Like we just couldn't. When I had my breast surgery, we also couldn't wait. They said like, don't do anything vigorous. And we're like, well, we're doing it. And I like take a pain pill and I'm fine. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just don't care. But um, yeah, it was great and fine. But they're all all kinds of things. And I've had, I've asked friends who've had a vaginal delivery and they're like, yeah, it feels the same. Like your body was meant to get a baby out of you that way. Mm -hmm. And your body also probably wants you to keep procreating. So it just sucks everything back in. <laughs> because the vag is a very strong muscle. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, and like, aren't they like very against like the fathers not now? Where like, what's gross? I think the they used stitch. to do the daddy stitch. Yeah. So my basically it just does the... Oh, oh no, go, go on, go on. Well, the daddy stitch is disgusting. But before I... I like hate it and also was like very intrigued by it because mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, would that make sex better? Like I didn't really, it's completely derogatory and horrible, but also I was also so curious. Um, the idea is that they stitch you up tighter after you, when they're stitching up after you have a baby. It's disgusting. Our producer's about to vomit. So when you have a baby, there's natural tears. Yeah, my mom got this. Stuff. Yeah. And they're supposed to, they stitch you up, but then some people call it the, it's a joke and I don't even think it's real or they don't really do it or some people did it. it's creepy but they would make maybe the stitches <clears throat> of the opening slightly smaller so that sex and like you as if to like preemptively make sure you come back to normal quote but what it is is just the entrance of the vagina mm -hmm. so the rest of your vagina is still like you just had a baby or growing and changing but it's just really painful because the inserting of the penis then is in a tighter space that's not natural so it should just be exactly naturally where it lines up and healthy um, but yeah, when you're, when you don't know anything about having a baby, when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, but maybe that like, I don't want to ruin sex life. And like, because you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, totally fair. I still don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, uh, you don't know what it's like until it happens. And then also like, yeah. So I, I know the vagina changes. I know people have like reconstruction vagina surgery. So I don't know what that's like. I haven't experienced that or anybody close to me has, except I see it on Real Housewives all the time. <laughs> They're constantly rejuvenating their vaginas. Um, so I don't know if it is better or worse. But yeah, the daddy stitches repulsive. Yeah. What were you saying about your mom? Oh, no, that she got it. And she always jokes about it. She's always like, yeah, your father wanted that. And I was like, gross. That's such a dude thing to not understand how a lady vagina works. Yeah. That, But that's such a dude to be like, oh, but if we make it smaller, it'll feel better. No, well, I think, but there is also this insecurity. Like, I understand the women who do want it because then you're like, what like if sex is very important to you like you don't want something everybody's afraid of what life will be like after a baby yes. you know like will will my body forever change will my body break open will like all these things like these intense fears that so I understand somebody being like I I would want to get that no matter what like I just don't want to ruin not ruin but change Mm -hmm. your sex experience which for somebody might feel like a ruining it because it's going really well it's really great so 
yeah, so my cesarean recovery and not being able to breastfeed made it that I was the princess of the home. <laughs> I could basically lay in bed, be medicated. The, medic- the medicine, because I'm not breastfeeding, is not going to the baby. He is taken care of by the families that visited. I got to sleep multiple hours, heal, and Ooh. everybody was bottle feeding the baby. I was really such a princess. Were you able to still take your normal medications while you were pregnant? So I had a, I've wanted to be pregnant forever. And so a year or two before I got pregnant, I asked to switch to Zoloft because Zoloft is by my doctor. You have to check with your own doctor, but I've heard that it's recommended more. That okay. Zoloft is okay for pregnancy. Okay. Now, as soon as I was deliver the baby, Zoloft stopped working for me. And that was really difficult is that I had to find a new medication. And luckily I have these like amazing doctors who are helping me and they are just, I, I fired that shitty doctor and found this like collection of women who are psychiatrists, psychologists, this like this hub of brilliant women who are helping me set it right. Because also like my brain changed, like just things change when you, after you have a baby. Yeah. Um, and I guess it could also be tolerance to medication. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Zoloft stopped working the minute I had him. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. Like, like immediately. immediately. And then just to add that to the laundry list of shit that you have yeah, to deal with. I mean, that's the thing with self-care. Like I have problems with self-care, but I do see uh, my doctors regularly. Like I am, I do leave the house, the baby's with dad. I'm like doing my work. And so I, I don't go into this city like, five times a week. I don't have any childcare because I also, being a childcare provider also kind of like screwed me up that I'm like, no, I know what I'm doing. I want to do it. I don't trust anybody. Else. I'm also very afraid of that too. I'm yeah. such a know-it-all I that am. I'm going to be like, this is what you do, blah, the, blah, the blah, blah. The thing is, this is the best thing I've heard from many moms, it's including myself. You're pretty stressed out. And then the second you walk out of that apartment or that home, you're like, well, I'm free. Like you can stress out to the moment. You can write a laundry list of things. And then there is this feeling of like, the baby's going to be fine. Maybe if he eats like too many rice crackers, that's okay. Like uh, he'll be okay. So like the things you can obsess over when you're in the home with the baby, giving the baby some information, when you leave, like my parents were just watching him and we went out with friends and for four hours, my mom was like, you did not check in once. And I was like, yeah, I put my phone away. Like I didn't, for that moment, I wasn't a nervous mom or a mom obsessing over things or this, that I was just back to being me. I was, we went and met our friends at a restaurant. I wanted the French fries, like just things that are just me, you know, we're going to, we, we had two dinners that night. We had like, we met at a place for like cocktail drinks, but I don't drink. So it was French fries. Then we went to my cousin's place and she made us fried rice. So I'm like, I was eating, I was relaxed. Like it just was nothing to do with being a parent. And what's great is that I still love being a parent and then I could come home and we still were up with him in the middle of the night if he needed to eat something and like you're still there. But if you have somebody that you can trust and that will physically help get you out of the house, (laughs) you can be your old self with it. And it's bizarre. I mean, I constantly go like, I can't believe I'm a mom because like I don't feel any different in a lot of ways. I feel different in like a little bit distracted or a little bit or when I'm home, I'm 100% on top of it. But when I'm walking around, I'm like, I was just like some kind of idiot like uh, six months ago. Like, what about, like, how am I a mom? Like, it feels insane. It feels so crazy. Um, yeah. And so, 
yeah, so sex is still great. I still have a very high libido. People, a friend of mine only has sex when her kid's napping because she's too tired and she can't have sex in the middle of the night. I'm already like too tired to have sex at night. Like we like yeah. only have sex in the morning. Yeah. No, that's great. I We can't we're too out of it in the morning. It's like, there's nothing sexual in the morning. We're like, we're smelly. We're like, we gotta brush our teeth. We have to start our day. Like, we're, But then like, for me, for me, it's probably like, I don't know, 12 noon until the rest of the day I could have sex. But I think my husband's a little later. He's like, he, he is a so loving, so focused worrier <laughs> and he worries about us and everything. Okay. So he like needs to have his day be like the work done of taking care of the family, his job, his, all of his things. And then he can then yeah. can relax and yes. like have some fun. I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun. I have this joke, which I don't even, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm like, how do I explain to my son? Like, you know, women's bodies are their own bodies, but like, I love it when I get spanked by his dad. Like, I just love it. And like, I'm like, Alan, we can't do it. Like, I, he's going to see it. And I like, think it's so fun and like, think it's sexy. Like if he just walks by in the kitchen, but I'm like, oh, I can't let Lewis see this. Like, he can't know that that's, he's saying go to kindergarten and like smack a girl's ass. I was like, no, but like, I like, and still, we're still very like attracted to each other. I mean, my husband yeah. like still jump on each other. And I'm like, but we have like, it's very cautious with like a kid <laughs> with like a, a white boy. I need him to be very aware. He I'll, can't touch anyone. <laughs> I'll end with this because my parents also have a very high libido. And so I have walked in on them, me and my brother, multiple times. One time my brother walked in on them as a teenager <laughs> on our personal mini trampoline <gasps> and then my mom like had a few drinks the late, later that night and she was like don't do it it hurt your father's knees <laughs> oh my god I love your house they are I, fun I like I totally 100% think like I talk about sex and do all this stuff because my parents were so open about it yeah and I was like humping I was I was humping everything left and right by the time I was like two or three so yeah, I definitely normal. walked in on them as yeah. a kid but I think of that too I mean my we have an apartment like, how are we going to do it? Like, I just, I don't, know. I don't know. That's also a fear I have. I'm like, where will we oh, have you'll, sex? If you want to have sex, you'll have sex. But like, you'll figure it out. I mean, we, yeah, I, I, we've done, I mean, we've done it. I think that's the thing too. Like sometimes beds are too loud. So you have to do it on the floor. Like I'm trying to think of like things that like won't make too much noise. Right. Cause you don't want to wake the baby. Cause we, you don't yeah. want to, you don't no, want to take the care baby, of it. The baby will sleep through sex. It's when they're older. Oh. Yeah. They oh, yeah. not sleep through like screaming or wild noises, but like, you know, it's just like apartment sex, like just as apartment sex goes, like your baby can sleep through it. If you don't want to wake up your neighbors, you, your baby will probably be okay. That makes sense. Unless he's in the same room with you. Because we, we right away put our baby into his own room um, pretty early on. Luckily, because I wasn't breastfeeding, like I said, he didn't have to co-sleep with us. Mm -hmm. And we did sleep training just so we could have sex as soon as possible. <laughs> You're speaking. So that, good work. <laughs> straight to my libido. Yeah. Well, my friend does it during their nap time. She's like, it's nap time. We got to get shit done. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. So it totally happens. And then also that's like a really fun thing to talk about with mom friends is like who's – you're like, are you starting? Am I starting? Like everybody, everybody wants to talk about sex. Because you made a baby from sex. Like yeah. we bare-backed it to get here. What is it? Raw-dogged it? Like, you you raw-dogged raw dog Like we were like we fucked like crazy to create this like perfect little guy. You let someone come inside you, which is my oh, biggest fear. We joke about that all the time. We're like, should you put on your baby like <laughs> your baby announcement? Like he let – mom let him come inside. It's real. Like I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like somebody came inside you. It was great. Hopefully – you know, everybody had fun, and this child was born from it. That is it's fucking so crazy. funny. And, like, all the baby stuff, we were just cracking up. We're like, this is all from, like, 
ridiculous sex. <laughs> like you have like little baby booties and baby blankets, <laughs> and it's like this is from like not so sex. I always say that joke when I do my baby and me stand-up show. We have a show where new parents can come and they're all exhausted. They're all like blurry eyed. They haven't left the house, but you can bring your baby. And so it's like for like one years old and under so mm. that the parents can just be there. And I just make so much fun about how we all had like insane sex to create these like little tiny creatures. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Caitlin, for being here. It's, you know, thank you. you took out time for me. Like, you didn't want to be with Lewis. Um, that doesn't make any sense. I had to get out. <laughs> I had to be free. I hope you guys love this episode as much. I hope you love learning as much stuff as I learned today. I've learned so much in this one episode. And remember to like and subscribe to Awkward Sex and to Scam Wow and to more Banana Productions. We have a lot of really cool shows on there. So, guys, thank you. 